Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff text me 949-415-6256 please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book the comprehensive guide to clinical research it's been selling really well getting very well received by the community thank you guys so much for that also check out the youtube member page join this channel to get perks that's my youtube uh, membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trails Guru. I have Darcy LeBlanc. She is a recruiter at Precision Talent Group, LLC. I got to admit, Darcy, all right? I, I was just telling you this before we hit record. Recruit, not just recruiters, anybody who wants to network in research. LinkedIn's a place you can do it from your pajamas. You can do it in your bed. You can do it like just any time of the day. And some people, like me, I'm supposed to be networking on there too. But I'm, I guess I'm pushing like so much content. I don't have time necessarily to go through the newsfeed. So when people post or mention or comment on my post, that's like my newsfeed. Then I look, I'm like, who's Darcy? So she did the <laughs> other day. And I was like, wow, what a good potential guest for the podcast. I mean, recruiter, she's recruits for sites, CRO, sponsors, vendors, anyone else in the industry uh, in clinical research. And she's, I mean, we're going to talk about who she's looking for, why she's on LinkedIn. Uh, but first of all, uh, Darcy, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> How are things in New Hampshire? Freezing and getting ready for our second storm. Are, uh, so you guys are like basically greater Boston area, more yeah. or less, right? Yep. Yeah. So we're right on the Massachusetts line. So Southern New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a place I've never been. Uh, I've mm -hmm. been to Massachusetts. I've been to Rhode Island. I've not been to New Hampshire. I haven't been north of like Boston, like Massachusetts. I haven't been north of there. Uh, like yeah. Maine, New Hampshire, I think Vermont. I, I need to go there. I need to go. But Boston, Beautiful. yes. Boston <laughs> many a times. So I'm guessing like who's a typical client 
of yours, Darcy? Like who, first of all, how does that even work? Who reaches out to you and says, Hey, Darcy, there's a labor shortage. We need help right now with this, this, and this. Like, who is this person that reaches out to you? Yeah. So I think what's important is kind of understanding the background of the company. So with Precision, you know, we have over 50 years of combined experience in direct recruiting and program staffing. Uh, so it's, I think it's important to know the network as well. So for us, um, we have two sides, which most staffing companies do. Um, we have our sales team and then we have our delivery team. So our sales team, because they've been in the industry for as long as they have, they really tap into their network and their connection. And, you know, to your point earlier, it's that LinkedIn connection. It's those people that you've had that partnership with for years um, being in this industry. So they really reach out. They have these conversations with our sales team for us at Precision, it's actually very important for us to have a niche. Um, you know, we don't want to be that group that's, I got a guy, um, but that guy might not fit all of the boxes. We want to make sure that we're subject matter experts in the areas that we staff. Um, so, But what's wrong, what's wrong with, I got a guy? Because that, <laughs> maybe that works. I mean, for some for some organizations, sure, absolutely. Uh, for us, it's important to build the relationships and create long-term staffing solutions. So whether with that the, with the client, with the sponsor, with the client, yep, and even with our candidates. You know, I, the last thing that I want as a recruiter is to have a candidate um, go on site and call me up two days later and say, "This is absolutely nothing that you told me. This is not a fit for <laughs> Has my that career." Happened? Be honest, Darcy. Has this happened? Truthfully, I have not had it happen yet. <laughs> wow, big time! Yes. That's big time. Yeah, because for us, we take that time. You know, we really we've been kind of groomed by you know our owner and CEO um, to build to really understand our candidates. Don't go into that first call trying to sell them. Um, understand what they're looking for, not just currently, but what is your five-year plan? What is your trajectory? Do you want to be a contract worker for the rest of your career? Great. We've got an opportunity for you. Are you looking for a permanent opportunity where you can plant your feet in the sand and build a career? Great. We have that for you. So I think for us, it's always been not just what the market needs and driven by what the market needs as far as staffing. So do you need data scientists? Do you need uh, CDMs? Are you looking for a CRA? Um, are you looking for a quality specialist? Those are the areas that we really put hard focus in to make sure we understand what our candidates are doing when they're on site, but then also what our client needs to fill their team and not just have a warm body in a seat. Yeah, we're going to get to the candidate because you work, you're in the deliverable side, right? So you yep. work primarily with the candidates. You get Correct. the lead from the sales. You say, hey, here's the job we need to source. Yep. Darcy, go into your network, start talking to people, see who's interested. Um, a lot of people may not know this about me. I have a little bit of experience doing what I called back then headhunting. It was not <laughs> for clinical research. I was doing like a lot of part-time gigs when I was starting up my site. So I needed like extra income on the side. So I, I was actually what well, you're doing Darcy, but I was headhunting for managers for fast food restaurants. 
Okay. I was doing that for like six months. So I know, <laughs> I know like a little bit of what you do. I had to call the existing employees at an existing company and say, Hey, I got a job here. You want to go there? That was me. I placed <laughs> two people. <laughs> One person I placed. Check this out, Darcy. This is a hard job that you guys do. One person, I spent like three hours talking to them all for multiple conversations. They, I was a rookie. I told them who's hiring and they went directly without me. Like after all this, they just went mm-hmm. themselves. I was like, oh man, I learned, I learned my lesson there. Not an easy <laughs> job. Not an no. easy job. Before we get to candidates, there's a lot of people watching that say, hey, maybe I'm good at recruiter. You know, I have like 4,000 connections on LinkedIn or something like that. How can I, it, this seems easy. How do I do this? What is your advice to them? Um, so full transparency. And I mean, you, you've seen my, my LinkedIn profile. I have a very diverse background. Um, I have 18 years of healthcare leadership. Um, I have, I was a correctional officer for a few years. Uh, so I've kind of, I actually, my schooling was not your traditional schooling. I went to school for firefighting. Uh, wow. So it's kind of, my background has never been that background that says screams recruiter. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and my, my job previous to coming to precision, I was actually an operations leader for a staffing company. And for me, it was it was a great position for me because I understood how to do my job. However, I didn't understand the people. I didn't understand what are their requirements. So truthfully, I kind of took a step back and said, I need to go back to the bottom. I need, I need to start out. I need to get in as a recruiter and truly understand the job. And it's been probably one of the best positions I've held out of my crazy career that I've had. Um, and I think Truthfully, you have to be ready for the grind. Um, and you know, to your point, it's a tough job. It is very hard. You're going to have amazingly successful days, and then you're going to have days and walk out of the office and go, "I just made two thousand phone calls, and I didn't <laughs> even speak to one person. This is awful." That happens. Um, but you know what? It's putting in that effort. It's putting in that daily effort. It's making the connections with people. It's understanding that, yes, you are going to get some people that are frustrated that a recruiter is reaching out to them. But then you're going to have those people that just really welcome the conversation. And that's something that I've kind of prided all my conversations on is, hey, understanding I'm here for you. You know, I'm here to make your life easier. I want you to go do your everyday let me do the difficult work of finding your next position, um, you know, and work together as a team to not only find you the best position, help you to get where you need to be compensation-wise, location-wise, travel-wise, let's talk about it and make that match. So truthfully, as long as you're somebody who's really just a go-getter, a hard worker, um, you know, learning the industry. If you've not worked in the industry before, you know, willing to kind of learn something new. Um, and then really, I think with the right company, that's willing to give you the right time to learn, then you can be truly successful as a recruiter. Let's set the stage before we talk directly to the candidates out there. Let's set the stage. And by the way, everybody can go follow Darcy 
everyone needs to go follow Darcy. Her LinkedIn <laughs> profile, I'm I'm telling you, she's very social on LinkedIn, networks with everybody, comments everywhere. Go follow her uh, LinkedIn link underneath the video. And if you're listening, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're listening, thank you. It's in the show notes. So go to the LinkedIn, go to Darcy's LinkedIn profile. Very accessible. Let's set the stage before we talk about directly to the candidates, because sure. I mean, that's, that's what most people are here for, but I want to set the stage because I keep telling people, this is the busiest year I've ever, this is last year and this year, 21 and 22 are the busiest years I've seen so far in my career in research. And here's an anecdotal story. Okay. I'm, I'm doing a site selection visit for my site. The CRA comes over. She's really nice. I get to know her. You know, she, uh, she just got that job before she was a coordinator. Now mm-hmm. she's a CRA. Now she's been a CRA for about six months with this company. At the end of the site selection visit, she tells me, Dan, I'm actually leaving the company. I'm not going to be your monitor. Because another CRO offered me a job. A recruiter called me. So someone like Darcy called (laughs) and said, hey, we're looking for CRAs. This person said, this is what this person told her. I'm currently happy with my job. The recruiter, this is what I find when I say, let's set the context for this year. The recruiter was not okay with that. They said, tell me what it's going to take for you to no longer be happy at your job. And she was gone. So so, who knows what they negotiated, but she was able to get it. She was gone. Is that something that's common right now? Or is that like an outlier story? Or is that just a sign of like how competitive it actually is right now in the space? I mean, we're definitely in a competitive market. Um, you know, it's definitely the busiest that we've seen it as an organization as far as needs across the board. Um, honestly, I feel like that is kind of a one-off um, for us. <laughs> it's, yeah, obviously going into the conversation, it is, what do you need? What are you looking for? And what can I do to help make this an easy transition for you? So, Is it something that I'm absolutely going to have those types of conversations with? Yes. Am I going to physically come out to a candidate and say, what is it going to take for me to pull you from your job? No. At the end of the day, that's kind of the takeaway that I give to every candidate that I speak to is this is your decision. I'm telling you what I have available for you. And if you are at that point in your career to where you're ready to make a move, whether it's for upward mobility, wanting to go from permanent to contract, wanting less travel in your, you know, day to day. This is what I have to offer you. You let me know if you are ready to make those moves. And we always kind of preface it with our candidates is our hope that is if you're accepting an interview with a client, our hope is coming out of that interview. If you're to be given an offer, you're ready to accept the offer. You know, just it's hard for us to kind of take that time from our clients and then have somebody say, yeah, I really wasn't interested in the, in the beginning. So for us, it's really making sure that everybody is on the same page as what those next steps look like, but also making them understand that ultimately the decision is in your hands. So here's the thing. Thank you. Now we set the stage. We're going to yeah. get to the candidates right now. Sure. 
the first thing, the most common thing I get from people is, Dan, if the industry is so short-staffed, when they are, like sites, CRO, sponsor, everybody's short-staffed. It's not just clinical research, by the way. It's almost every industry is short-staffed. Mm-hmm. If there's such a labor shortage, why are they not giving me a chance? And I'm going to get Darcy's take on this, but mm-hmm. I... Here's a comment from YouTube just yesterday, just five hours ago, right? It's somebody that said, I audit studies, and now I'm looking at CRA's experiences to see if they are qualified by training and experience. I review their CVs and make sure they have enough experience. At least two years in research is the standard, plus experience with the study. With the market in favor of hiring CRAs, I'm making sure the sponsors are using qualified CRAs in their studies. If not, they can be cited. That should take it home for you guys. Darcy, what do you have to say about this? I think it goes back to that statement that I made earlier. I got a guy, Um, you know, because ultimately we're here to build that relationship with the candidate and with the client. At the end of the day, if you're putting somebody in and you're over selling somebody's experience to a client and then they go and they come on site and they're just not able they're not qualified to handle the protocols that they're working on. And then all of a sudden you have all of these discrepancies. Now your project is put on hold because you have to do these database audits to make sure that everything is cleared before it can close. It's just this tumble effect. So at the end of the day, for us, it's very important to make sure that the people that we are sending over can do the job um, because we don't want our client to come back and say, you told me this person was very knowledgeable in oncology protocols and that they've managed 25 sites for phase two, three, and four clinical trials. And they came on and they could barely manage one site with 400 patients in phase one. Um, We don't want that. We want our clients to come back to us and say that candidate that you sent over to us and that we placed and that started is way ahead of the curve. They are picking up more than we ever expected. We want more like that. So yes, the industry is screaming. Yes, it is a staffing shortage. But should that, should you then in turn take away the quality of the people that you're placing just to fill a seat? Because it's you're going to need more people down the line to fix what that one underqualified person could create. Yeah, well said. I mean, And I think like the people watching right now, I don't want to intimidate you guys. This comment was for CRA experience, Mm -hmm. two years. You can get in-house CRA position. You can get remote site monitor position. I know from my CRA Academy, I tell every student, unless you're an RN, it's unlikely you're going to be a CRA rad. Like your first job out of my Academy is unlikely to be CRA. It has happened to students in the past. It's unlikely to happen to you, but we can put you in a remote site monitor, in-house CRA, trial master file specialist. Do you source for these positions as well? So for us, a lot of our clients are looking for that CRA and above. Um, uh, one thing that I do, I, I would love to kind of express, and I do have these conversations with your CRCs and your assistants, um, those people that are more of like that associate level, um, just entering the job market. Take your role as a coordinator or as an associate or that more entry-level position. Climb the ladder where you are. Don't try and make that jump from 
that entry-level position to a new position as a CRA. A lot of these larger biotech pharma companies are looking for somebody who has sat in that seat. Um, And even your smaller startup companies, because they're the ones that are looking for somebody who is that multitasker, can take on multiple projects, that has experience kind of maneuvering and putting something aside because there's a more urgent fire that needs to be addressed. They're looking for somebody who maybe has a year or two with a larger biotech pharma company as a CRA so that they know when they come in, they can hit the ground running. They're going to have a lot shorter of an upstart time period as opposed to somebody who's more of a junior level hasn't held the position. So I think it's important for anyone who's really looking to kind of make those steps in their career. Don't try and make that jump for a new title climb the ladder where you are. Obviously, I totally understand that that opportunity isn't always there. Um, But if it is, take it and run with it. And then absolutely kind of get that experience and knowledge under your belt. Yeah. And you said something important. Um, Sometimes smaller companies offer more opportunities. Sometimes larger companies, like every candidate has a build for a different type of organization, right? So let's go through, let's say a small CRO or a small biotech. What's the ideal candidate to work there that you've seen? That I've seen is definitely somebody who's been in that specific role that they are looking to hire that may have both small and large company experience, um, but has held the position. That is the most important because for them, they may not have the same resources that your larger CROs have for training. So they want somebody that can come in and they basically just have to learn the protocols that they're going to be working on because they've done the job. Um, Whereas your larger companies are more, they have more resources on hand to be able to bring somebody in who might be a little bit more junior level but has held the position. So they might need a little bit more experience about the role itself, but then also learning the protocols. So I think it comes down to like your experience that you've had leading up to that position. And then same question, let's say for a big pharma, big CRO, where you, Mm -hmm. sometimes you feel like you're just another cog in the wheel, but for some candidates, that's the ideal situation. Can you explain that? I've absolutely had both sides of the coin. You know, I've had the people that have been in industry for 15 years. They've come to me and said, Darcy, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to have lead experience. I want to put my head down, be a part of of a team and do the job. That's what I'm looking for. Fantastic. I've got it for you. Um, But then you also have the person who's coming in that's saying, I've worked in smaller startups. I've worked in smaller CROs. It's not giving me enough in regards to project experience, I want more. Um, Those people are are great for your larger CROs, but they have to have that experience. So have they sat in a CRA role for three to four years? If they have, they're great for a CRO, especially one of those people that's been in a smaller startup company that has had the visibility to multiple indications. You know. Oncology is huge right now in life sciences. Huge. <laughs> always been. Uh, always, yeah. <laughs> even COVID, even COVID in the height of COVID research did not 
surpass oncology research studies, like volume yeah. of studies. Yeah. So, I mean, finding those people, we have, we do have companies that are willing to train somebody who's looking to get into the oncology space. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of CROs, your larger CROs are looking for somebody that has that oncology background. Um, You know, so I think it really just boils down to your experience ultimately in that seat that the larger CRO is hiring for. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think oncology is important. I mean, uh, we're fortunate that a in the CRA Academy, we actually have an internship program on a real oncology study. It's oh, an investigator-initiated wow. trial, but it's it's a real study. They're doing real monitoring reports. And even with that experience, guys, like you're probably just going to be remote site monitor unless you're an RN. A lot mm-hmm. of our students that graduated that are RN or IMGs, they can sometimes get CRA job right out the gate, but most do remote site monitor, like I said earlier. Uh, uh, Darcy, why, why is there so much turnover in the industry? Like what you talk to a lot of candidates, you talk to candidates who are not new, who are seasoned. Why do they switch jobs so often? This industry has always been plagued by that. I think it's getting worse. Uh, Why? What's, what's going on? So for us, I think it's kind of setting the expectations. There's been many candidates that I've talked to that um, they go in with one set of expectations and then they get on site and it's completely different from what they were told. Um, So I think for us, it's important that we say to you, hey, listen, right now you're probably not going to see this, but ultimately the client is looking for somebody who's willing to travel up to 85% of the time to be on site. Um, Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. when they say that, they actually mean a hundred, right? <laughs> they just don't want to like sound bad in the right. in the description. Right. So what we say to them, you know, depending on the indication or the protocol that you're working on, you may not see 85% right now because of what we are dealing with. It may be more remote monitoring, mm. but know that at some point, whether it's during your the length of your contract or your time as an employee with the client, you could get up to that mark. Are you prepared for that? So I think it's important, especially in staffing, that you are setting proper expectations with your client. So ultimately, when they get into their role, they're like, yep, this is everything that Darcy told me. I was prepared for it. I was expecting it. There were no surprises. Can I guarantee there will never be surprises? And I say that to everybody. I said, you know, this is this is the feedback that we've received from candidates that we've placed there. This is the picture that's been painted to us by the client. So ultimately, this is all the information that I have for you, transparent. There may be some things that are different when you get on site, but my job is to at least get as close as possible to you for you so that you know what's expected of you once you get there. All right. I have to start asking like, a few controversial questions because I get, uh, I get these from the community and mm-hmm. sometimes I don't have an answer. I mean, we all know like what you're supposed to say, the politically correct answer, but in reality, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work that way. I don't know. I don't have that much experience with this other than anecdotal evidence, but the biggest thing I get, whether it's from my students or just people randomly on LinkedIn is Am I too old to be a CRA? It seems like a young person's job, 
we don't see that many CRAs above a certain age. I have theories as to why. Is the is there any truth to this? I don't believe it is. I mean, I've talked to your brand new CRA, and I've talked to CRAs that have been in it for twenty five years. Um, I think it boils down to for that twenty five year vet. Am I able to meet what you're looking for at that point in your career? And if I can't, I want to have that conversation before we get too far down the line. You know, for that brand new CRA that's only been in their seat for a couple of years, it's having those hard conversations. Are you ready to be in the grind? Are you ready to work hard? Are you ready to have a lot put onto your plate? Because if you are, buckle up, here we go. Um, you know, so I think, again, it's not the age or the amount of experience. I think it's mostly about, is it the right fit for you at this point in your career? Yeah. And I think that one, one's career changes based on personal situations, yeah. right? Health, family, life of it. It's called life, guys. We're yeah. in life. We're, <laughs> we're in <laughs> yeah. this thing called life. We're living. Okay. so. Darcy says no ageism in clinic for series. Nope. Okay. All right. Good. I've been telling people that too, but they swear there's some people that swear that, well, no, I didn't get hired because I must be old. That's what they're <laughs> telling me. Maybe there's another reason or maybe some companies do. I don't know. They might, but I don't think that's an answer you or I will ever have. No, we'll never get that. But they want like the real answer. They don't want like, yeah. you know, we found a better candidate. So I don't think there is. Like I knew a CRA that was like 83 years old, still monitored, the nicest lady ever too. And <laughs> on top of her, on top of her game, I like Absolutely. on top, she knew, uh, I could probably mention her. Um, well, people know who, uh, the ones that are close to my sites, they know who it is. She's awesome. awesome. Yeah. And she worked for a small biotech and said it's the best place she ever worked for. Absolutely. Um, it's the best place to grow, you know? I think so too. And it sounds like for me, if I were an employee, I would probably choose like a biotech or someplace where I could be an intrapreneur without having to take the risk, mainly financial risk of being an entrepreneur. Because they're kind of looking for that kind of a person, right? Because yep. in a small biotech, you don't know if the drug's going to fail or not. If the drug fails, company could go out of business or it could mm -hmm. get acquired and then you're made redundant. Um, yeah. Are you seeing a lot of mergers and acquisition? We've seen a few. Um, I mean, obviously we've seen it across the industry, but as far as with our clients that we work with, we have seen a few. Um, that nice part is, is a lot of the acquisitions that have happened is with current clients that we're working with. So it's mm -hmm. easy to kind of melt that bridge. Um, you know, so it has been a little bit easier for us to manage, um, but not, not a ton, not to where it's like creating a rift for what we do day in and day out. Yeah. I'm wondering with the labor shortage, if we're going to see acquisitions like smaller CROs getting bought out by bigger CROs or small biotechs getting bought out by bigger companies. Um, for the biotechs, sometimes it's for the investigational product, like obviously the IP, that's what they have. But I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing acquisitions just to hire the staff that they have. Maybe there's like a specialization at that CRO, at the small CRO that the bigger CRO needs. And they, they want to acquire the company just to acquire the staff. 
Yeah. It's definitely something that I think isn't far fetched. Um, you know, especially when you're looking to grow and bring on new projects and when you're winning, winning these bidding wars, if you will, for new protocols, you know, you need to have the right teams to kind of follow it through. And we did see that at the end of 2021, we had a company who just, they did, you know, win a few bids for a few new projects that were launching in 2022. So ultimately they came to us and said, this is the ideal candidate for our team. And this is how many we need to successfully launch and follow this project all the way through. So we were able to kind of get that started for them so that when it did start in 2022, we had already created a bench for them. Hmm. I think um, the ageism question was the most controversial one we have. Another one I got, it's not that controversial, but it's like from experienced CRAs or experienced project managers or experienced CTMs that tell me, hey, why do you keep talking about networking on LinkedIn? I don't need to do that. If I put my CV out there, I'll have people calling me. What do you say to this, Darcy? Um, I mean, that's very hard because unfortunately, we're in an, in an age where your social presence uh, or your presence on social media kind of gives you who you are, um, what kind of experience you've had, what are the type of people that you work with. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things, and I don't know if anybody has kind of talked to you at about at all about it, but there has been a lot of fraudulent candidates in the industry. Oh. And exactly. Yeah. Since so, I've started in this industry, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that a lot of us do is we do take a look at your background, your experience, and then also does your resume match your profile? And then also what is your connection? You know, how many connections do you have? Because did you just make this to be able to get a job or are you actually out there networking with people? And are you connected with people that you currently work with? Because if you're not connected with people that you currently work with, that could very well be a red flag for any employer. Because what does that show you as a team member <laughs> and a team player? Do you play well with everybody in the sandbox? <laughs> Whether it's online or in person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oftentimes you're getting the same person. You get clues. So what you're saying, Darcy, is LinkedIn's important for everyone. It's not just for people trying to break in or people trying to climb the corporate ladder or people trying to network. It's for everybody, right? Yeah. I'm, my stepdaughter is a freshman in college. Um, she is a biomedical science major. Oh, nice. Yep. And so she came home for break and she, <laughs> she said to me, Darcy, what is this thing called LinkedIn? <laughs> I said this thing called LinkedIn. My gosh, you sound like it's something from like these the kids 80s don't know Darcy. AOL Instant Messenger. I feel um, old, and, and she, I know, right? And she said, "I don't have one, but my advisor is telling me that I need one for <laughs> as I go forward in my career." And I was like, "Okay, well, let me help you. You know, I'll help build your you know profile. Let's get it started for you. You're probably not going to have a ton of connections because." The rest of your friends are probably saying the same thing that you just said to me. Um, but I can also help use my network to help grow yours because it's in line with what you're looking to do as a career. So when you get to that point in your career where you're looking for internships or you're looking to kind of get some real world knowledge and experience, you've made those connections with people and you're starting to see articles in the industry that you're looking to go into. 
So we spent an evening and sat there and built her LinkedIn profile and she's 18 years old. Um, but ultimately in 10, 15 years, she's going to have that following that's going to carry her through her entire career, whether it's to move into being a pediatrician like her goal is right now, or if it's to cross over into more clinical research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my niece, my niece, the same thing. She's, uh, I think she's 21, 22. She didn't know what LinkedIn was until last year when I told her, you have to have a LinkedIn. If you want to work in research, you have to have a LinkedIn. She said, what mm-hmm. is this? And I said, how do you <laughs> not know? You know TikTok, you don't know the LinkedIn? LinkedIn's like serious stuff. So right. what are what are people, like how are, you've, you're on LinkedIn a lot. How are people like using it wrong? Let's start with that because I think there's way more people using it incorrectly or I guess there's no such thing as incorrect, but it's not efficient as somebody who's like you, I would say you're using it efficiently from what I've seen. I mean, how do I know that you got my attention and, uh, (laughs) that you must know what you're doing. So how, like, how are people, what are people doing wrong that you've seen? Like the majority of the time. So we obviously, we know that in the professional world, that many people, we actually do have clients when we do presentation, ask for a copy of the link to the candidates LinkedIn. Um, So one thing is kind of keeping it up to date. So when you make that career change, update your LinkedIn profile. Don't just create it and leave it there and then not show any job history since 2014. That's kind of a red flag. Um, But also involve yourself. Don't make it all business. Definitely make it personal too. I love seeing posts from either people that I'm working with or people that I'm connected with about something exciting that happened in their life, whether it be they have a new grandchild or they have a new child themselves or they went to Disney World, um, you know, those kind of things, because it shows you're a person, you know, you're not just this clinical research expert, you know, you're doing a lot. Um, you know, for me, I do post business posts, but I also, you know, like last night I was, I've been in dance for 33 years, retired this year. Um, One of my students randomly reached out to me, haven't taught her in four years, just to say thank you, you know, for what you did and how you kind of helped mold me as a student, but it's also carried through as an adult. You know, that was important to me. So I posted that and that has absolutely nothing to do with clinical research, Um, but it was heartwarming. But also taking the time to kind of look at people's posts and comment on them. Don't just throw the thumbs up or the heart or the celebrate. Actually comment on it. Congratulate them. How did it empower you? Very similar like I did with you. Um, You know, your posts are absolutely amazing for me as a recruiter because I haven't been boots on the ground. I don't know what it's like to sit in your seat. I don't know what it's like to be on-site monitoring on a massive project, but all of the videos and the content that you continue to post gives me that experience and that knowledge. So I think people just being active on it, not just saying, oh, Darcy and Dan said I need a LinkedIn profile in order to get a job, so I'm just going to create one, but then do nothing with it. I think it's hard when, as a recruiter, I jump on and I see John Doe hasn't been active on LinkedIn for 90 days. Okay, why? <laughs> you know, so I think it's just like your activity, but also balancing it personal and professional without going overboard on the personal. 
Yeah, it makes sense. And the worst though thing I hate, and this has been since the beginning, is like those canned emails that you can tell it's sent to I mean, sometimes they don't even put your name. They just say dear colleagues and then yeah. you're like on it. You, you, it's not a group message, it's to you, but it says like dear colleague, dear sir, madam, and then just like a pitch for something. Uh, I hate that. I won't respond to that at all. Uh, but sometimes they look like that, but they're not. Like they're actually asking you something, but they look like spammy. So it like initially turns you off. So I think the best way is like you said, comment on other people's stuff. Let them know that who you are, at least. Like mm-hmm. just by commenting who you are, the person might get curious enough to look at your profile. That's what happened right. with me and you. You know, you comment, I'm like, who is this person? Boom. That worked way better than an in-mail or something. I mean, who knows when I'm going to get to it. So you're absolutely right with that, Darcy. Yeah. And I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. We all do it as recruiters. You know, <laughs> do we do we send out the in-mails on blast? Do we do connection requests on blast? Sure. I mean, it is kind of part of our daily grind. Me too. I do try and make sure that when I am connecting with candidates and, you know, all of our team is like this. We're not just reaching out to you because we need to hit a metric. We're reaching out to you because we really do feel like we have an opportunity that fits your background. Um, because at the end of the day, if we're reaching out to people that we know don't fit the background, that's going to be time out of that person's day as well as our day to have a conversation as to why they're not a fit. Right. So what is that doing for either of us? Right. Um, so I know like for me, yeah, a lot of my messages may come across hand or impersonable when we're doing connection requests or in mails, but it's coming across because it's truly, I've taken the time to look at your profile and you truly fit what I'm looking for. And can I say that, you know, all of us in this industry do that? No. Um, but I know that is something that I've made it a point to do in my career and be mindful of those people that I am reaching out to. Yeah, good point. Because we all do. I mean, just because I just said what I said doesn't mean I don't do it either. I have a LinkedIn premium to recruit physicians from my site. So I do send candy emails to physicians. (laughs) And guess what? It works. But that doesn't mean I can't be doing better. Like I should be going to their profiles and commenting. And sometimes I do. Most of the time I don't. It's just the way it is for me, but it's definitely something that I could be doing better at. Uh, but as far as what I like to see, yes, (laughs) it's funny how, (laughs) it's funny how what we like to see is not always what we do to others, Uh, (laughs) myself included. Yep. Like our parents always said, do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Uh, There you go. As exactly right. That's exactly for Guru Nation guys. So Darcy, anything else we left out? Like are you excited about 2022? What are you seeing? Like, what what are you seeing right now or let, that's hot? Yeah, I mean, definitely. For me, my focus is obviously in the cl- clinical research space. Um, you know, I do cross over a little bit to data science. Um, but we're definitely, as a whole, in our organization, we're seeing larger teams. Um, we are seeing quite a few more contract opportunities coming on board. Um, And those contracts are anywhere from six months to 12 months. 
Um, we have a lot of organizations that are looking to do contract to hire. So come in, give it a shot, make sure it's the right fit for both of us. And if it looks good, then there could be a conversion at the end of your contract. So um, I think it's it's really important to be open to all types of employment um, and not kind of be set in stone. You know, prior to coming on to life science, I actually did healthcare recruiting for precision um, for nurses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually have quite a few nurses that were full time in an organization with a hospital. And they said, you know what, I've never done the contract thing. I think I'm going to give it a try. They've renewed multiple times over because they just truly in- enjoy it. But when it gets to that point of, okay, I need a scenery change. We can do that, but we do it the right way. Um, making sure complete your contract and then we'll look at that that pivot and what that looks like. So, um, you know, I definitely think that it's important to kind of eyes wide open instead of being narrow because that opens more conversations and you never know when there's going to be something that either I might say or another recruiter might say that you go, oh, I never thought about that. That's interesting. Let's have that conversation. Um, so I think it's really kind of eyes wide open and you'll know the industry experts when you talk to them. Um, so definitely listen to the conversations um, because there are many opportunities out there, different roles, different environments, different experience levels uh, that are coming to market that we haven't seen before. Uh, so I think it's definitely just open-mindedness of, of having the conversation. Thank you, Darcy. Uh, last thing. So these contracts that you mentioned, are they, cause I see that too. What does that mean? A W2 1099 or it could be both or how, how does that yeah. work? So every staffing company is different. Um, so I can't speak to what everyone does. I know that for us, we offer both. Um, and obviously they both come with different levels of benefits. So, um, it is, we kind of open that door to both opportunities, you know, especially somebody who's been in a permanent opportunity that's looking to kind of step into the contract world, but is really scared because, you know, they've held everything for their family or they've never done contract before. So they don't understand what that looks like or how it feels, you know, having an organization that allows, you know, you to step into a contract role as a W-2 employee is huge. Um, you know, so it's definitely something to be asking when you are having conversations, what types of contracts do you offer um, and kind of seeing what fits best for you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Darcy. I really appreciate it. Like I said, She's a must follow on LinkedIn. Go connect. <laughs> Her profile is underneath the video and in the show notes if you're listening. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I really yeah. think we can do this again. I Absolutely. Think, I think we should have you as a guest lecturer on CRA Academy if you want to do that. Absolutely. Um, just to motivate people. Um, we'll talk off, off camera if you want to do that. But any last words for Guru Nation right now? Um. I think at the end of the day, it's really just from from me to Guru Nation, thank you all for what you guys are doing. Um, you know, we talk about the healthcare industry and how they're just really powering through what we've dealt with over the last couple of years. But a huge thank you to everyone who is in the clinical research industry. You guys are really turning up the dial on things that can really make a difference and an impact in people's life. Um, you know, whether it's an oncology or a vaccine or immunology, um, 
So just a huge thank you. And, and Dan, thank you for always encouraging, you know, those that are up and coming because they're going to be the future of clinical research and, you know, really continue to grow um, what it is that we do every day. <laughs> we need more. We need more. Thank you, Darcy. Absolutely. We'll do a part two soon and sure. everybody go connect. Thank you guys for watching, listening. Thank you very much, Darcy, for coming on. Thanks. And we'll catch you all later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.